Today we are going to read through Mark chapter 15. This is the account of the death of Jesus. This is the account of how they crucified Jesus. Good Friday, it speaks about a time, a day when Jesus was crucified. And the account of what happened, who all were involved, how did they do this, what went into the crucifixion of Jesus. Amen? So we're going to take time to read through Luke chapter 15 and we will identify different types of people, different kinds of people, different kinds of responses that we see here to the goodness of the Lord. Mark chapter 15 and verse 1. Very early in the morning, the leading priests and the elders, the teachers of the religious law, the entire high council, they met to discuss their next step. They bound Jesus and they led him away and took him to Pilate, the Roman governor. So what we see here is, the, is what happened after the Passover night. You know what happened in the Passover night? Passover night was the night where Jesus called all his disciples, gave them his final instructions. We would read it in John chapter 14, 15, 16, and 17. And in chapter 17, we see the prayer that Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. After the Passover night, they went into the Mount of Olives where Jesus spent the night praying. Three hours he spent there praying. Okay, He would pray one hour and then he will come back to see that his disciples are sleeping. Then he would ask them, can't you wait with me for at least an hour? Then he would go and pray for an hour and come back to find the disciples have already slept. Again, he will wake them up. So after three hours, Jesus said, okay, it's time. It's time for us to go. And so in the middle of the night, you know, somewhere between the Passover night and the next morning, in the middle of the night, Jesus got arrested. And it says very early in the morning, the next morning, the Bible says, all of these guys assembled. I'm sure they had a way to communicate. They had a WhatsApp group or a broadcast that sent all the message to who are the groups of people here? The leading priests, the elders, the teachers of the religious law. This is the religious group. So the first category of people that I'm going to talk about today is the, is the religious group. Okay? So this, this group is the most painful group in the entire story. Because they know the scripture very well. And yet, they will stop the move of God. And yet they will be the stumbling block to the hands and the feet of Jesus. And yet they will be the ones who will become the biggest challenge, biggest hindrance to the work of uh, Jesus on the earth. This is a group that we have to be, we have to keep, maintain a safe distance from. You would see that anybody that hung out with this group got influenced by them in a very bad way in a very religious way and, and their choices ended up, you know, hurting themselves and hurting the move of God, hurting what God wanted to do. So this is a group that would constantly uh, be, be stuck in their tradition. This is a group that was jealous of what God was doing. This is a group that was envious. This was a group that wanted to do more than what God was doing. Do you know sometimes we, we have this 
tendency of saying, okay, I, I, I can somehow be a better Christian than what the Holy Spirit can do in me. No, 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 you cannot. Whenever you feel that you can be, you can be a better Christian on your own, that is your spirit of religious, you know, religious mindset that is manifesting. All of these guys, they thought they were better believers in God than Jesus is. And that is why the Bible says they assembled. All of them, they assembled. The, the category, it says the leading priests, the elders, the, the teachers of the religious law. All of them. The elders, see in the, in the nation of Israel, the 12 tribes, each tribe had an elder. And under each elder, there will be clan leaders, there will be family leaders. It says all the 12 tribes, all the elders of the nation, they assembled. The teachers of the religious law, they assembled. And the priests, you know who are the priests? The priests are not just Levites. The priests are the family of Aaron. Or the entire family of Aaron. The priests, they assembled to together conspire to finish what God had started. To stop what God had started. This is the account of the death of Jesus. There's a people group that was extremely religious and they responded in their religious mindset towards Jesus. The next group, we're going to read about it in Mark chapter 15 and verse 2. They brought Jesus to Pilate, right? Okay, if you read the previous verse, it says, They bound Jesus and led him away and took him to, the, to Pilate who was the Roman governor. So in verse 2, it says, Pilate, when he received Jesus, he says, Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? Please understand, Pilate, he doesn't have any preconceived mindset towards Jesus. He is genuinely asking. This is a genuine question. that he, he's, he's genuinely seeking answers from Jesus. He's looking at Jesus and saying, Jesus, are you really the king of the Jews? Are you who they claim you to be? Is this what you said about yourself? This group, this group of people, they are the group that seeks answers. See, it's better, if, you, if you're not sure, it is better that you be in the group that seeks answers than being in the group that is religious. You know, we would all look at Pilate and we would say, man, this guy is so bad, he crucified Jesus. No, 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 no. What was bad was the religious group. But Pilate was in the group that sought answers. He asked Jesus, are you really the king of the Jews? Please understand, God is not threatened by our questions. God has given us the freedom to talk to him. God has given us the freedom to ask him questions. God has given us the, question, the, the freedom to, to test him, to go to him and say, God, is this really what you want me to do? Is this who you are? Is this your character? I want to know you. I want to understand you. So this doesn't make sense. You promised this to me, but it didn't happen the way that you promised. So I want to know, are you real? Did your promise fail? It's okay for us to be a seeking group, to a, a group that seeks answers. You know, some people, they are going to respond to the goodness of God with a religious mindset. And some of us, we may go to God and we may seek answers. So the second group is the seekers group. Okay? So 
if you're, if you're a seeker today, we welcome you. It's okay. If you're a seeker, we love you. If you're a seeker, if you're seeking answers, you know, there was this woman at the well. She was looking for answers. See, she was seeking. She was like, are, are, you the, are you a prophet? Are you the Messiah? Are you greater than my forefather Jacob? She had questions to which only Jesus had answers. And she came seeking for answers. And Nicodemus, in the middle of the night, he came seeking for answers. Yes, Nicodemus was hanging out with the religious folks, but, but he was a seeker. So if you are a seeker, if you don't understand everything that we are talking about this morning, if you are seeking answers, it's okay. Please stay with us. Please be here long enough for Jesus to reveal himself to you. You will not be disappointed. Trust me. If you are a seeker, you will not be disappointed. The Bible in fact says that God gave encounters to Pilate's wife and sent a message to Pilate saying, Hey, this man is the real deal. Don't trouble him. Don't, don't hurt him. If you are a genuine seeker of God, if you will seek me with all your heart, the Bible says you will find me. You will find me. You will not go empty-handed. Your questions will not go unanswered. No, 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 no. This morning, the Lord is welcoming the seekers to His presence. The Lord is welcoming those that are asking questions to His presence. Verse 3, it says, Then the leading priests, the, the religious group, this is what the religious group does. The religious group, they started accusing Jesus of many crimes. Many crimes, not one or two, but many crimes. They, they started accusing Jesus. They started listing out all those things that Jesus can be uh, crucified for. Listing out all those things that Jesus can be put to death for. And this is, this is a group that is claiming to be God's servants, claiming to be children of God, and yet they are the ones constantly pointing fingers at the move of God. See, whenever a move of God happens, it's, sometimes it's very um, hard for us to get our mind around it. So it's okay to ask questions, but it's not okay for you to point fingers. See, that's how you identify the difference between a, a seeker and a religious guy. A seeker will say, wait a minute, I need to know what this really is. See, when the Holy Spirit came down in Acts chapter 2, there were two groups of people. One group of people that said, wait, these guys are just drunkards. Another group of people that said, wait a minute, what should we do? How should we change our lives? How can we get what you have? We don't understand anything that you're saying. We don't understand what you're doing. We don't know where you're coming from. We need answers. And then Peter stood up to give answers. Amen? But the religious group, they will point fingers and they'll say, amen, he's, he's just too drunk. The religious group, they'll say, this guy, he, I know where he has gone wrong. He is, he is definitely not the Messiah. Because he came from Nazareth. See, you know, it's so amazing how in the Old Testament, there are four different prophecies of where Jesus will come from. Have you noticed that? The first prophecy was that Jesus will be born in Bethlehem. The second prophecy was that Jesus will be, will be coming out of Egypt. Out of Egypt I have called my son. The third prophecy was that Jesus will be a Nazarene. 
you will be in the land of Galilee. The fourth prophecy was that he will be in the tribe of Naphtali, Zebulun and Naphtali. He will be in the borders, he will live in the borders of, of Israel. All these four prophecies were in four different places. And guess what Jesus did? Jesus just, I don't know if the prophet, prophets got it wrong or, you know, or, or how did, God said, okay, there are four prophecies. I'm going to make sure that Jesus fulfills all four. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He was raised in Egypt. Then he went to Nazareth. Then the Bible says when Nazareth rejected him, he moved to Capernaum. That was the outskirts. And then Matthew would record all of this and say, hey, wait a minute. This is what the prophet spoke about. The prophet said he will be born in Bethlehem. He was born in Bethlehem. The prophet said he will come out of Egypt. Yes, he came out of Egypt. You know, for a seeker, there are answers. But for a religious guy, there is no answer. You know, all of these guys who were religious pointing fingers saying, you were not born out of Bethlehem. What good can come out of Nazareth? For the, for the religious groups, there were no answers given. But to the seekers, Matthew wrote a gospel saying, let me give you answers. There's nothing, absolutely nothing that was spoken about Jesus that has ever failed, that will ever fail. There is nothing that has ever spoken over your life. There is no promises of God, no declarations, no prophecies that He has spoken over your life that will ever fail in Jesus' name. If required, He's going to turn heaven and earth around to make sure that, that you go to your Galilee, that you reach your Egypt. You know, the prophet must have prophesied in his sleep. <laughs> But God will make sure to fulfill every word that is spoken over your life. No, no matter what happens, God is, God is a good God towards the seekers. Amen. But the religious guys, they, they constantly accuse Jesus. Saying he claimed to be the king. He claimed to be Messiah. He claimed to be God. He claimed to be equal with our father. This guy is a fake. This guy is creating a riot. And then the Bible says in verse 4, And Pilate asked him, Aren't you going to answer them? You know what Pilate was looking for? What was he looking for? Answers. You know, the religious group, they were not looking for answers. The religious group, they were just looking to stop, to kill the move of God on the earth. But Pilate, he was looking for answers. And, I, and I, that's, that's why I'm saying I, I, I welcome the seekers in the church this morning. I welcome you if you're asking questions because the Bible says the, the ones that seek will find an answer. So, so Pilate says, aren't you going to answer them? What about all these charges that they are bringing against you? They're accusing you of all these things. See, this is the difference. When Pilate asked a question, Jesus answered them. But when the religious guys accused, Jesus didn't answer them. Read the next verse, okay? It says, but Jesus said nothing, much to Pilate's surprise. Pilate thought, man, this is it. You know, all these guys are accusing him of all these bad things. Jesus will now rise to defend himself. No, he, he didn't defend against the religious guys. To the religious guys, he, he would call them brood of vipers and whitewashed tombs. And he would call all these names to the religious guys. But to Pilate, he was like, yeah, 
I'd like to talk to you. I'd like to speak to you. I'd like to help you, Pilate. It says in verse 5, verse 6, Now, it was the governor's custom each year during the Passover celebration. Like I told you, this was right after the Passover celebration. The previous night, the entire nation celebrated Passover. You know, the Passover would be a, a, a festival that they would celebrate on the, on the 14th day of the first month of the year. It was a sign, it was a, in remembrance of deliverance from Egypt. And they would have a meal together. And this was a time of great festivities all over the nation. So the Roman government, they had made a rule saying, wow, this is a, this is a festival of freedom from slavery, freedom from whatever they are chained in. So in celebration of your festival, this is what we'll do. Every year for Passover, we will let one guy go free. One guy that, that don't deserve to be free. He deserves to be in chains. He deserves to be in bondage. He deserves to die. He deserves to be condemned. But because you guys are celebrating, I'm going to let one guy go free. It says, the, the, during the Passover celebration, there was a custom to release one prisoner. And this could be anyone that the people would request. Anyone that the people would request. Verse 7, it says, one of the prisoners at that time was called Barabbas. He was a revolutionary who had committed murder in an uprising. Now talk to me right now. Do you think this guy should go free? Do you think this guy deserves to be in chains? Absolutely. And yet Jesus was exchanged. There was a prisoner exchange that happened there. Pilate's plan was to release Jesus. But they said, no, 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 we don't want Jesus. We want Barabbas. So this is what I want to talk to you about the third category of people. It is the people group that benefits from Jesus. Barabbas, he benefited because of Jesus. See, it was not, it was not Pilate's agenda to release Barabbas. But because they were willing to keep, let Jesus be in there, and they said, you can keep Jesus, but give us Barabbas. So here was a guy who benefited from Jesus. Now, a lot of us, we will benefit from Jesus. We will benefit from God's presence. We will benefit from his love for us. I mean, there's no wrong in that, okay? We will, we, how many of us have been forgiven because of Jesus? We, we are beneficiaries of his goodness. We are beneficiaries. It's because Jesus became poor that we can become rich. It is because Jesus was made sin that we become the righteousness of God. We are beneficiaries of Jesus, of the goodness of Jesus. So this is the third group of people who have been benefited by Jesus, who've been benefited by the goodness of God, who've been benefited by what God is doing on the earth. And today, if you're here because you have a need, I want to let you know that Jesus is here for you. He's going to heal you. He's going to touch your heart. He's going to restore your relationships. He's going to take you out of that mess that you're in. He will take you out of the miry clay and set your feet on the rock to stay. He is a faithful God. He is the loving God. 
the father did not tell the prodigal son, I know why you're here. I know why you're here. I know you just want a good biryani. You, you know, if, if I was the father, I would have said that. I'm like, I know you, you, you are an opportunist. You're looking to benefit from my goodness. You know, that's, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just telling you my heart, okay? If I was in the place of the father, I would have said that. I would have said, see, when you lost everything, you're coming to me. When you still had hopes, you didn't come. When you still had opportunities, you didn't come. You didn't come for me, son. You came for the biryani. You came for the calf that is going to be, that is going to be killed. I know why you've come. But guess what the father does? He's okay with that. He's okay with people that come to be benefited of the father's goodness. He loves them. He feeds them. He takes care of them. So when we taste, we will see that this father, he's a good father. That he's a loving father. And then we have the choice to continue to be in this category called beneficiary category or to move further or to go on or to become a lover or to become a son or to become committed in the house that to, to the extent, you know, this is the thing about a son is that even if the father doesn't make food, he will still stay in the house. Even if the father doesn't give him anything, he will still be faithful and loyal. So some of us, we have to move from this group further. We, will, God, will you be benefited by the goodness of God? Absolutely. But we have to move on. I don't know. History doesn't tell us what happened to Barabbas. But I, I wish, I pray that he had a revelation of, of how he benefited from the goodness of God. That he, he would have changed his life. He would have, he would have said, man, I, I'm so blessed by the goodness of this king. I want to live the rest of my life. I was exchanged. My life was exchanged for his. I want to give my life to follow him, to live for him. Verse 8, the Bible says, the crowd, you know, the previous verse says, Barabbas was in the prison. Now the crowd, they went to Pilate and they asked him to release a prisoner. Everybody say, a prisoner. Not the prisoner, a prisoner. Okay, who, who could make this call? Pilate could make this call. Which is the prisoner that he wants to release? Okay, the crowd was a people group that didn't have their own opinion. Okay, they were not opinionated, but they would be easily influenced. So it says, the crowd, they went to Pilate and asked him to release a prisoner as usual. So, Pilate asked, would you like me to release to you this king of the Jews? You remember what was Pilate's desire? His desire was to release Jesus. So he pointed to Jesus and said, okay, here is Jesus. I'm going to release Jesus to you. Why? Because the next verse, verse 10, read this loud and clear. For he realized by now that the religious group, okay, I'm going to call them the religious group, okay? The religious group had arrested Jesus out of what? Envy. They saw there is too much baptisms happening in Jesus' church. They saw that too many people are changing their lives. And this, 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 they, the religious group always becomes envious of what somebody else is doing. 
I'm telling you, if, if the day that you have jealousy over someone else's ministry, you become religious. And a seeker could understand that. Pilate was not a spirit-filled man trying to discern, okay, which, who is the... He was a seeker. He was, you know, not worshipping God. And yet, he could identify the envy with which the religious group came to him. And he said, hey, I, I know that the religious guys, they just do this out of envy. So he went to the crowd, okay? The crowd is a neutral group. Anybody can influence them. On one day, they are with Jesus. And Jesus is giving them 5,000 uh, feeding them and they're like, we want to make this guy the king. You remember? Jesus fed all of them and they're like, hey, can you please become our king? And Jesus said, no, no, no. And in fact, Jesus had to escape from there to stop them from becoming, making him their king. Because that was not God's plan for him. The crowd is very easily, easily influenced. But you know what's the problem in this story? The problem in this story is that this crowd, their proximity is to the religious group. Let's read the next verse. But at this point, the leading priest, what did they do? They stirred up the crowd to demand the release of Barabbas instead of Jesus. So, this is why I said in the start, don't hang out with the religious guys because they can influence you in the wrong way. The religious group they stirred these people. They, 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 they motivated these people. They manipulated their desires so that they will go and ask Pilate for Barabbas and not for Jesus. See, the crowd, they didn't go to Pilate hoping for Barabbas or for Jesus. They just said, okay, it is our custom. It is Passover. This is the Passover night. We just finished the Passover night. It is the custom. So give us a man that you had... They had not come with the, with the leading priest. You remember when the reason Jesus was arrested in the middle of the night is so that the crowds will be unaware of it. Did you know that? They didn't want to arrest Jesus where the crowds were. Because they knew that the crowds were in favor of Jesus. So what they did is they found an isolated place where Jesus is disconnected from the crowd. And then they arrested Jesus and took him to a seeker. And then they influenced the crowd separately. Then they influenced this community that was dependent on Jesus. Anytime that the enemy wants to create havoc in your life, he will separate you from the community that is feeding you. He will isolate you from the people that are supposed to be a blessing to you. He will, he will just cause... You know, confusion among those relationships that are supposed to be a, 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 a providing factor, a spiritual nourishment in your life. But today I pray that your eyes will be opened. Amen. I would call this group as the influenced group. I pray that none of us will be in the influenced group. And if we are, we, I pray that till the time you can get your life sorted, you will be influenced by the right people. Till the time your, 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 your heart is not ready, your, your, your mind is not ready, your, your willpower is not strong, don't hang out with the wrong guys. Don't hang out with the religious group. Guys, see, we, we all take the example of how Jesus, he, he was hanging out with 
drunkards and prostitutes but the fact is jesus was never influenced by them but then we do the same and then we are influenced by them then we come to church and we are influenced by the pastor then we go to office then we are influenced by that you know guy who has a lot of money then we go to see tv and then we are influenced by this cricketer who has like man classic shorts and then we come back and we hang out with our friends and then we are influenced by what they drink and and what they smoke and what they eat and what they wear and then we come back to church and we are like wow this word is for me see if you feel that you are easily influenced then don't hang out with the guys that can influence you against jesus please there will come a time where you can hang out with these guys there will come a time when you have the grace to handle these guys you should know jesus after 40 days of fasting jesus went and hung out with the devil himself yeah that's what the bible says what does the bible say the devil took him into the wilderness sorry the devil took him up the mountain the devil took him to the to the to the temple so basically it was a conversation and a long walk how long does it take to climb a mountain the devil walked with jesus and still the devil did not influence jesus see i'll tell you you may reach a place at a point where you can walk with the devil himself and not be influenced by him but till that happens can you avoid hanging out with him till that happens can you uh, avoid being alone in the garden with the serpent till that happens find your adam eve your eve's problem was that she was hanging out with the serpent when god had made her to be hanging out to be one with adam and here is a crowd here is a crowd who had seen a revelation of jesus but now they are hanging out with the religious group and the bible says the religious group they stirred these guys against jesus keep your hand on your eyes and say lord open my eyes to identify anybody that is influencing me against jesus yeah i i will not be surprised i need to know what is in the heart of man i need to know what is behind their goodness what is behind their love for me i need to know the secret agenda every relationship that is not of god be exposed today in jesus name every friendship that is not of god be exposed in jesus name every conversation that is not building me up to walk with god be exposed in jesus name lamana kandole beregele lamuna kabasere belegere de when my heart is like clay i better be in the hands of god i cannot be in the hands of the enemy when my heart is moldable when when i am strong when i am firm god can use me to throw at the enemy no no not right now right now i am i'm i'm influenced easily so lord stop me from going into the wrong hands likhaba shama la haduri bileke de malaba sandane open the eyes of your children daddy open the eyes of our heart labara kanene verse 12 the bible says pilot then asked them then what should i do 
with this man that you call the king of the Jews. They shouted back. The next verse, verse 13, they shouted back, crucify him. Guess who said this? Who said this? Not the religious group. Not the seeking group. But the influenced group. It was not even the, the, the pilot who was a pagan guy who was now saying, let's, okay, I don't have enough answers, let us crucify him. It is not the religious guys who are saying, let's crucify him. It is the guys who are influenced so easily, who, who don't have their own rock on which they are fruited. They are the ones, the same guys who said, Hosanna, the same guys who said, he is our king. He is the blessed one. He is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. The same guys who said, Hosanna in the highest. These are the same people who said, okay, let's crucify him. I, I can understand if the religious groups say, let's crucify him. I can understand if the seekers who don't have enough answers, they say, let's crucify him. But look at this, guys. It is the, 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 the group that was easily influenced. They were the ones to actually crucify Jesus. Now, Jesus' death on the cross, praise God, his death on the cross was in the good plan of God. But my question is, how are we responding to this good plan of God? How are we, which category will we fall into? Will we fall into the category that will crucify the work of God? Will we fall into the category that are stopping the work of God? The next verse, Pilate demanded, Why? What crime has he committed? Do you see how illogical this group is? But the mob, they roared even louder saying, Crucify him. They are not giving explanation. See, the, the religious group, they, they had charges against Jesus and they pointed fingers against Jesus. But the, but the crowd, they don't have any, just because they can't point fingers at Jesus. Because the same Jesus who fed them sometime back. It's the same Jesus who loved them. His heart would overflow with compassion when he would see them. And it is the same Jesus at whom they are pointing fingers. So when, when these guys got questioned saying, why? What, why do you actually want to crucify him? Give me a reason. They didn't have a reason. All that they did was they just increased the decibel of their screaming. They just said, no, no, no. They just start, start throwing a tantrum. Like, I want it. You know, how some of us, we act with God in our relationships with God. We just, we just throw a tantrum saying, no, no, no. I, I, I want it. There is, a, there is a, a way in which you can come to him and you can ask him questions. Like Pilate did saying, are you really the king of the Jews? Are you really who you claim to be? But the influenced group, they, they are swayed by their emotions. They are controlled by their emotions. And because they are controlled by their emotions, the Bible says they, they, started, they started roaring even louder because now somebody had influenced them against Jesus. Verse 15. Isn't this so sad? It says, so to pacify the crowd. To pacify what? Whom? Not Judas. Not the teachers of the religious law. Not the leading priests or the elders. 
not the Pharisees or the Sadducees, but to pacify the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them and he ordered Jesus to be flogged with a lead-tipped whip, then turned him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. To pacify whom? The crowd. So who crucified Jesus? The, the influenced group. The group that didn't have their roots in the right place. The group that could easily be stirred into doing whatever the people around them wanted. They were the ones who, who crucified Jesus. In the Pharisees, they, they, they put the fire, but they put, take, took their hands off. In fact, when Judas came back with the money, what did they say? Oh, no, no, this is blood money. We can't touch this. They're the, they're the, the religious guy. They're like, no, 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 we will not have anything to do with this murder. We will not touch this money. But they will provoke someone else to do it. You know, the religious guy on the outside, they will look very clean. But the ones that are influenced by them are the ones who do all the nasty things. That is why I'm saying, be careful of who you hang out with. Be careful of your friends. Be careful of who it is that, that you're influenced by. The next group, are you ready to talk about the next group? Says the soldiers, they took Jesus into the courtyard of the governor's headquarters. This courtyard was called the Praetorium. And they, they, what they did is they sent out a message just like the leaders did. These guys also sent out a message and they called out the entire regiment to kill one guy. To just kill one guy. Because now they are going to have a party at Jesus' expense. They're going to, you know, make fun of him. I mean, this was not normal in, in killing somebody. You know, when somebody's handed off, off to be killed, they would go and kill him. They would not have a party at his expense. You know, the, the two thieves, they didn't have to go through what Jesus went through. This, this is a group that were being entertained at Jesus' expense. Everything that Jesus was doing was entertainment for them. And, and we have those guys in the church as well who come to church not to be even influenced, but they come for entertainment. They come for some fellowship and some fun and some meeting some people and having a... Just, we just want to have a good time. And this is that category of people who just wanted to have a good time. So what did they do? I, 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 call, I call them the entertained group. It says in the next verse. So this is what they did. They, they dressed him in a purple robe. And they wove thorn branches into a crown and they put it on his head. And then the verse 18, it says, Then they saluted him and they began to taunt him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. What are these guys doing? Are they speaking the truth? Yes, they are. Come on, they are, spe they are speaking the truth. When they put a purple robe on, on Jesus, are they declaring something prophetic? Yes, they are. When they put a thorns, but it's a crown on Jesus. Is that prophetic? Yes, it is prophetic. <laughs> what they're doing is right. But their heart is in a different posture. They're doing it for their self-entertainment. Not even for their benefit. They're not looking to genuinely receive an impartation from Jesus here. 
they're just doing it for entertainment they are in church only to have fun they know i if i go to church long enough i'll get a nice sweet girl to get married to or i can take someone out on a date or i can you know get some money from somebody they 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 are here only for entertainment it says this group it says i'm sad about this group this this group breaks my heart it says because you should see pilot didn't order this pilot what did pilot order take out a lead tipped whip flog him and crucify him but everything else that they did was their out of their own accord please read the details here this is the group that just wanted to entertain themselves and they struck him on the head with a reed stick and they spit on him and they dropped to their knees in mock worship what they are doing on the outside please understand this looks nice on the outside right what do you see if you have to video this whole thing you would see a full fledged worship session because you know it can go on youtube and people can post it and say wow what anointed service because they are going on their knees they are they are actually saying hail king of the jews but they are doing it for their own entertainment they are doing it to mock the presence of god sometimes when, you know this, this is the group that apostle paul was writing to and he said hey if you if you take part of this bread and the wine without honoring the body of christ very reverently if if you are not connected to what this is what is going on in this house then you you, you this is a very dangerous business you are you are seeking judgment you're calling inviting judgment upon yourself and this uh, this group they just wanted to be entertained see everything that they did was to fulfill the prophecies that were spoken over jesus okay so god used all of these guys to fulfill his purpose no doubt about that but i'm just telling you the different responses that people had we we saw a religious response we saw the seekers response we saw the response of the influenced guys and then now we see the response of the entertained guys it says in verse 20 read this verse with me it says when they were finally tired of mocking you know like can you imagine like the 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 time they stopped mocking is when they're like okay i've seen too much of netflix today i mean i i mean it, i just need to i just i'm just too tired that's when they stopped too tired to be entertained anymore can you imagine see entertainment is something that we all like right we're laughing and having fun but this group their 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 response to god's goodness was to be entertained somebody has to just take us out for a meal or somebody has to just you know make me happy and you know just let's just have a good time you know let's just have a good time yeah come on let's just do something fun together let's just go for picnics and that's why we have more people coming for picnics than for prayer meetings by the way as a church we love to picnic you know that we love to party we love to 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 have fun but the problem is when that becomes our sole motive our sole response to the goodness of god where we are not able to move beyond the the fun aspect where the where everything that god is doing we 
we we think it is light we 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 fall on our knees and we are we are worshiping him but in our, our hearts are completely away it's a show it is a show for the camera it is a show for the people sitting next to you it is it's it's mockery in the eyes of god you're please don't do it if you don't like worshiping don't worship no problem but please don't taunt him this morning no no please don't taunt him please don't mock him this is when they were finally tired see this is the thing about the entertainment worship some of them they will get tired after a time when you're worshiping god for entertainment no after a while you'll get tired because your worship is in the flesh it's not a spirit filled worship but in a in a spirit filled worship there's there's no end there's no limit there is no burnout that happens in the spirit if you are being burnt out that's not because you know you are worshiping the wrong person it's because you're worshiping in the wrong dimension you're worshiping in the in the physical dimension when worship is supposed to be in the spirit that is why the guys that were mocking and taunting it says they got tired after a while and when they were finally tired of mocking him they took off the purple robe took and put his own clothes on him again and then they finally went on to crucify him on the way to the crucifixion they flogged him and they would whip him you know the instruction that pilot gave they would do that on the way but all of these other things were unnecessary verse 21 we meet the next category of believers here the next category of of responses here it says there was a passerby named simon he was from cyrene he was coming in from the countryside just then and it was not his own choice but the soldiers they forced him to carry jesus's cross then there is a a footnote mentioned there this simon was the father of alexander and rufus see this guy he he didn't have anything to do with jesus he was not part of the crowd he was not part of the religious group he was not in the seeking group he was not in the entertainment group he was just doing his work he was just you know passing by and suddenly there was an encounter and somebody forced jesus upon him he didn't go looking for jesus but somebody came and said hey this is jesus you need to carry his cross you better carry his cross i think most of us we find ourselves in this category we we didn't go looking for him but somebody it could be your mother it could be your pastor somebody forced you into following jesus <laughs> be thankful for those guys i don't care i i i don't care if somebody forces me to love jesus that guy is a good guy it can be a soldier but it is a good guy i love that guy you know i i i don't want to be the guy that i don't want to be influenced by people that go against jesus i want to be influenced by this guy who who making me help jesus who helping me go towards jesus this guy was not going towards jesus in any way but somewhere in god's divine appointment he met jesus and and he was forced to carry the cross of jesus you know when paul would write his letters he would say i am 
my prayer is that I will be one with him, with his resurrection and with his death, so that I can be part of his sufferings, so that I can carry his cross, I can carry a little weight. Let me ask you, practically speaking, Jesus has finished the work, Jesus has done it all. You know, there's nothing that Simon can do to help the, the work that Jesus would do. And yet, Simon did carry the cross for Jesus a little while. And yet, there was a Paul who said, I, I, I die daily because I'm crucified with Christ Jesus. I, 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 I'm, I'm living a lifestyle where I'm, I'm disconnected from myself, disconnected from my ambitions so that I can carry the cross of Jesus, so that I can, I can suffer with him. Jesus had already suffered. But see, when Paul is writing these letters, especially in Romans 8, Jesus had already suffered and died and resurrected and, you know, was ascended to heaven. And yet Paul writes, Romans chapter 8 and in, and in Philippians chapter 3, that I may be one with him in his resurrection and in his death. That if we suffer with him, we will reign with him. And here is a man, Simon. He is suffering with Jesus. So this, this is the group that I would call the missionary group. Because you should understand, when he carried the cross, out of that revelation of what happened to him when he was carrying the cross, the Bible says, was born these two guys called Alexander and Rufus. These guys were a big blessing to the first century church. See, when Mark is writing this story, he, is, he knows that most people in his generation, they don't know who Simon is. But everybody knows Alexander and Rufus. Paul would refer to him in his letters. You know, they, these guys were famous ministers of God in the New Testament church. So the introduction to this guy is not, you know, Simon, the son of so-and-so, but the Simon, the father of so-and-so. Because the entire church knew who Alexander and Rufus was. So now, when this guy responded to the goodness of God, out of that response was born two people who will now go and be preachers of this good news. Out of that response was born a lifestyle of serving and, and ministry and a lifestyle of, of laying their lives down for Jesus. I want to be in this category. I, I want to respond to the cross. And I want to give birth to sons and daughters who will respond to this cross. This is the missionary group. They, they responded to the cross not by just benefiting from it, not by just being thankful for it, but now they re reproduced themselves in someone else. This is the missionary group. And the Bible says in verse 22, And they brought Jesus to a place called Golgotha. This place, it means place of the skull. And the first thing that he did is that they offered him wine drugged with myrrh. But Jesus refused it. Wine drugged with myrrh is primarily to make your senses less active. Like, you know what they do to you before they take out your teeth? We have a dentist among us. You know, you know what you do because the, 
the, the, the nerves that are connected to the teeth, it, it runs closest to your brain. That is why even, even though it is much, the, the thing may not be as big, the nerve will cause a lot of pain. So what the dentist would do is they would numb the nerve so that even if they take out the teeth, it will not, you'll know it is happening, but it will not cause you so much pain. So, they, so this is a normal practice. They brought wine drugged with myrrh to sedate Jesus, to just say, okay, there's going to be a tough process, but here it is. Here is a little help. The Bible says, but Jesus refused it. Jesus said, it's okay. I'll, I'll bear the pain. I, I want to be fully conscious of what is happening to me. I, I want to look at the eyes of the thief that talks to me. I want to look at, I want to see the responses that is happening. I, I want to look at the Pharisees here. I want to look at the religious group. I want to look at the entertained group. I want to look into their eyes. I want to know what is happening around me. You should know, even on the cross, Jesus was fully aware of his surroundings. That's why he would look at the mother and say, Mother, here is your son. Son, here is your... Can you imagine crowds of people and among that, Jesus identified that his mother and John was there. Jesus paid attention to what the thief was saying in all the, all the, he said, I'm not going to be drugged. I don't, I don't want to be sedated. I don't want to be under anesthesia. It's okay. I, I want to be involved. I want to know how people will respond to the good plan of God that is happening right now. Verse 24. You read it with me. Then the soldiers they nailed him to the cross. They divided his clothes and they threw dice to decide who would get each piece. See, this group of people, I, you know, I would just say they're just following their orders. The previous group, they are the guys who did more than what was asked. But this group, I would call them the routine group. They're just stuck to a routine, their, their tradition. They're like, they'll just, okay, you tell me what to do, I will get it done. You know, this is my job. I'm just minding my own business. I don't have any personal enmity with you. But, you know, the order is to kill you. So I'll kill you. And I'll put you to, I, I will not think for myself. I'm just going with the flow. This is the routine group. Every day, they'll just wake up in the morning. They're, they're not worried about what is the plan of God for their life. They're not concerned about what God is speaking to them. They are not, you know, waiting to hear what God wants to do. They, they are just saying, okay, now today I have to go work, make money, come back, you know, give my tithes, go to church, do my job. In the process, if I kill Jesus, I kill Jesus. If I, in the process, if I, whatever it's, it is, I'll just, I'll just do what everybody else is doing. This is the routine group. They are not thinking for themselves. They, they are hurting a man who has been unjustly condemned just because they thought it was their job. I hope this is speaking to you. Verse 25, it says, it was nine o'clock in the morning when this happened, when they crucified him. You remember very early in the morning, the priests gathered, right? So that should be in the, somewhere in the middle of the night Jesus was arrested. Very early in the morning, everybody gathered and all through the morning, all these guys are responding to the good plan of God. And right now, at 9 o'clock, they crucified him. 
then a sign announced the charge that was against him and it read the king of the jews this was the charge against him that fact that he claimed to be the king of the jews now let's read about the next category of people verse 27 two revolutionaries were crucified with him one on his right and one on his left this group is the group that i would call the suffering group you know some people when they suffer they blame god for everything some people when they suffer they go to god and they receive help from god one guy when he suffered he said if you really are who you claim you are save yourself and save us too isn't that what that guy said but the other guy he said wait a minute do you not know who you are talking to we deserve what we are going through this is a man who doesn't deserve that in that moment this guy who was suffering he had a revelation that what i am going through i perfectly deserve it see there's nothing that we go through that we don't deserve absolutely nothing talk about cancer talk about you know accidents talk about financial problems nothing all of it is a result of sin on the earth everything that we go through in life we deserve it so the suffering group one group they're going to point to god and say god why did you allow this in my life you know i lived for you i did this i did that i i didn't deserve it but there is another group that says wait a minute you know i know i deserved this i know that in in sin my mother conceived me i i don't have to go bank a rob for me to be a sinner i was conceived in sin I, just by being in the family of adam i'm a sinner this guy he recognized that he is a sinner and jesus is not you know you know the lord of theologians they argue how did this guy get saved what, what qualified him to be in paradise with jesus it was this revelation that i am a sinner but he is not the moment when he said we deserve what we went through what we are going through whatever whatever it is that we go through don't don't try to blame god but try to appeal to the mercy of god because you like it or not whatever we go through is the result of either our sins or someone else's sins we are in the same we are in one family all the way from adam we are in one family so there will be some consequences of it and in the same way that we fight sin we also have to fight the consequences of sin it could be a sickness it could be something that is happening generationally we have to fight it in the same way see just because you got saved you know nobody is like pr- proof of temptations right we still have sinned after getting saved those of you who say i have never sinned after getting saved please lift up your hands let me pray for you in the same way even though we are saved there will be this consequences of someone else's sin that may come to taunt us to in that moment if we will say oh i don't deserve this you know jesus you are to be blamed point fingers at god or we can say god have mercy on me you are the son of david you are the perfect one you are the one who went on the cross for me you don't deserve what you went through i deserved what i went through so can i 
can you give me what you have can you give me the forgiveness you have can you remember me in your paradise remember me have mercy on me and on that cross see i can understand when when somebody you know is getting saved because they saw jesus being resurrected because they seen the glory of god light shining from heaven boom and nuclear blast happening at the tomb and all this great sound but here is a broken man a shattered man a man who is not offering hope or help to anybody at this point jesus is not counseling on the cross jesus is not saying okay that brother there i'm going to heal you right nothing but but here is a guy who was suffering and he said jesus you can help me this is can we respond to the goodness of god like this thief did i mean we we you know we may not be a thief but our sufferings are result of sin ours or someone else's so can we respond like this thief and say jesus you you went through something that you did not deserve can i can i have a part in that can i be in the paradise with you can i be in a place of rest with you will you remember me son of david will you have mercy on me this is the this is the suffering group a group that pointed at jesus pointed fingers at jesus and said you should not have allowed this to me they should not have treated me like this if you're really who you claim to be then save me give me a quick fits or the other group that says no will you please have mercy on me i still trust your good plans over my life mark would go on to say in the next verse in this the scripture was fulfilled that said he was counted among the among those who were rebels this is from isaiah chapter 53 then we see the next category of people verse 29 can you go on with me for a few more minutes is it okay can we finish this chapter it says the people that were passing by they shouted abuse shaking their heads in mockery ha look at you now they yelled at him you said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in 3 days Well then save yourself and come down from the cross. You know this is the group of doubters, the group of the, the the cynics that I would like to call them. The cynical group. They they are not questioning Jesus the way that the that Pilate questioned like the seekers who are genuinely looking for answers. They are not accusing fingers at Jesus like the religious guys did. they they are the the doubters they are the ones who are constantly questioning every goodness of god they're saying there has to be a there has to be a, this doesn't make sense to me why would god do this ha huh, look at this what well, you just said you will you will you know destroy the temple and rebuild it where is all your promises now you know they they are actually mocking fun they are they're questioning jesus the the leaders it says in the next verse they did the same thing verse 31 the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law they also mocked jesus he saved others they scoffed but he can't save 
himself please understand this this guys they are not they are not doing it for their own entertainment they are they are actually pointing fingers at jesus and asking real questions but with the wrong posture they are asking real questions about how can how is this happening how is the savior incapable of saving himself they are asking a real question but with a wrong posture they are asking the question like pilate did but they are the cynics they are the cynics in the church it says in the next verse let's let this messiah the king of israel you know that's the title written over him let him come down from the cross so that we can see it and believe him you do this god that's it rest of my life i will give myself to the church i am all my tithe will belong to the church i will serve god in different different nations you know we we make those deals with god right please don't make those deals with god please don't say if you do this then i will do this you don't come to god and make a business deal with him you come to god and you surrender your life to him you come like the thief did saying god i don't deserve your forgiveness i deserve what i'm going through you don't deserve what you went through so will you give me a little of what you experience what a little of what you want for me will you give it to me not not like this don't believe him if he will just come from the cross and bless you fits your marriage give you a nice job give you a nice car don't believe him because of that you know there was a group that were that was benefited by the the exchange of jesus you know but but this guy please understand this guy barabbas he was not saying if if you will do this then i will believe you the prodigal son didn't come home saying if my father gives me good food then i will be a son is that what he said so no he said just make me a servant he his posture was correct you can be a beneficiary but please don't be a cynic please don't be in this category that says if god will do this then i will give my tithe to him you're not doing a favor to god by giving your tithes <laughs> you're you're doing a favor on your descendants by giving your tithes it's your descendants and generations to come who will be blessed because of your tithes god doesn't need your tithes how many of you know that god doesn't need your money god is richer than your <laughs> you know wildest dreams he doesn't need your money he doesn't need your time he doesn't need your efforts he doesn't need your favor when you give yourself to god you are the one who stands to benefit more than god does these guys says if you will come down from the cross no we will be the first ones to believe in him then the bible says even the men who were crucified with jesus at this point these guys the ones who were crucified with jesus one thief he started ridiculing him in fact when the story began both the thieves were ridiculing jesus later on one thief had repentance and he turned around and said no 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 he he doesn't deserve this you know when jesus was crucified it was at 9 in the morning but at noon the bible says at around 12 o'clock 12 is noon right it says at noon darkness fell across the whole land until 3 o'clock so for 3 hours 12 to 3 there is peak brightness in the sun right that the sun shines in its brightest 12 to 3 it says the peak of the day there was darkness that fell across the whole land verse 
Then at three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama shabakdani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Please understand, I'm, in this story, I'm not focusing on what Jesus did. I'm focusing on all the responses that people had to what Jesus did. Okay? So please, when I'm skipping some of these verses, it doesn't mean that what Jesus said and what Jesus did was not important. It was of prime importance. But my question to us today is, how are we responding to what Jesus did? How are we responding to what he said? It says, let's read about the next category of people. It's funny. It says, some of the bystanders, they misunderstood. <laughs> this, is the guy, this is the group that misunderstands everything. They're not the cynics. They're not the questioners, but they are the guys who wrongly interpret everything God says. They come to church, they hear a sermon, but they go back with a completely different revelation from what the pastor said. I've had people come to me and said, Pastor, today's word was for me. Because now I know I need to just, you know, get rid of this person. Or I now, today God told me. I'm like, that's, that's not, that's remotely not connected to what I was talking about. They, they misunderstand God's voice. These guys, you know, can you imagine the intense longing in the heart of Jesus for his father? I'm not touching those, but you know, he's saying, my father, why did you ab abandon me? My God, why did you abandon me? Why did you disconnect from me? And these guys, they, it says, they misunderstood and they thought he was calling for the prophet Elijah. So I don't know what was their intention, but let's read the next verse. They're like, one of them, they ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a reed stick so that he could drink. And said, wait, they said, let's see whether Elijah comes to take him down. So this, these guys, please understand, these guys, they're not saying it, it from a, in a bad way. They're like, we, we would like to see this cool thing. <laughs> We'd like to see Elijah come. Because the, the, the purpose of this wine was to soothe him. So get, get him, give him a little bit of uh, moisture for his throat. They didn't do this to hurt him. They did this to help him so that he can endure the... He's like, wait a minute, now it's getting interesting. There is darkness, Elijah will come down. I mean, they, they misinterpret everything that God says and does. You need some nice mentorship under somebody who will teach you how to interpret God's voice. Please don't come to church every Sunday and say, Oh, now God told me to marry this guy. Now God told me to, you know, uh, now God told me to quit this job and go somewhere. They, they misinterpret everything that God is trying to do in their life. Let's not be in this category. I found a lot of spirit-filled believers who hear the voice of God. See, they, they did hear the voice of Jesus, right? They heard what Jesus said. Yet their understanding of what Jesus said was completely different. So we can be in proximity to Jesus. We can actually hear the voice of Jesus and have a completely different revelation than what he is giving us. And Mark would refer to them and said, this is the misunderstood group. Because they, they thought Elijah is going to somehow now come, damn, 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 and do some fire and glory ministry right now. Maybe you not be in this group. Verse 37, then Jesus 
uttered another loud cry and he breathed his last. And as a result of it, the curtain in the sanctuary, you remember the curtain that separated the holy place from the most holy place? It says the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the Roman officer who stood facing him saw how he had died, he exclaimed, this man truly was the son of God. A little moments back, he was in the entertained group. Later, he was in the routine group. But suddenly, his, his category changed because he was intently observing what was happening to Jesus. Even some people, they just passed by. Some people, they just said their peace and they went on. But this guy, he was intently observed. It says, when he saw how Jesus had died, his eyes were fixed on the cross the whole time. This nine hours, sorry, six hours, right? 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. His eyes, he's observing everything that Jesus is saying. He observed that prayer Jesus prayed. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. He observed Jesus asking for water. He said, I thirst. He observed Jesus forgiving this thief and saying, today you will be with me in paradise. He observed everything that was happening to Jesus. He, he observed how Jesus responded every time they would hit him on his head. He observed how Jesus responded when, he, when they would spit at him, when they would mock him, when they would, you know, go on their knees and do mock worship and say, Hail, King of the Jews, all of that. He observed every little detail. How Jesus had died, when this man saw and observed it, it says he, he had an enlightenment. This is the enlightened group. This is the group that had a revelation. See, this is a revelation that cannot come because you study religious law. Because, oh, you know Bible verses by heart from Genesis to Revelation. No. This revelation, this enlightenment comes by you fixing your gaze at Jesus. If you fix your gaze at Jesus, then you read scripture. You will have revelation that others will not have. If you fix your eyes on Jesus and then you ask him questions, you will have answers that others will not have. Because Pilate, he asked him questions, but he didn't come all the way to Golgotha. If you fix your eyes at Jesus and then you're, you're willing to go on that journey into observing what he is doing in your life, I'm telling you, revelations will be your inheritance. You will go to sleep in the night, you will be filled with dreams. You will wake up in the morning. You, you, will not be you will not be misunderstanding what God is speaking. You will have accurate revelation. Why? Because your eyes are fixed on Jesus. These other guys, you know, who are, who, you know, the, the, the misunderstood group. They are, they are listening to the critics and they are listening to the cynics and they are listening to Jesus at the same time. That's why they misunderstood what Jesus said. But the Roman officer, he had fixed his gaze on Jesus. He said, I, I, I want to know the secret. I want to know where this is headed. 
I wouldn't know what is happening. He didn't say a single thing the whole day. But when he saw the way that Jesus had died, he said, truly, truly, this man was the son of God. May you and I be the enlightened group. Not just the enlightenment of, of the fact that we know who Jesus is, but may we be the group that will constantly have new revelations about who Jesus is. Every single day, every passing day, every morning when we fix our eyes on Jesus, may there be a fresh revelation that will come into our heart. And they say, oh wait, truly God was in this place. Truly He is my Jairah. Truly He is the one that gives me victory in the midst of my battles. Truly He is the God who sees. He's He's not, he's not blind. He is, so you'll have new revelations about who this God is every single day. Because your eyes are fixed at Jesus. May we be in that group. This enlightened group. The last group of people that I would like to talk about. It says in verse 40. Some women, they were there. Watching from a distance. Their names are Mary Magdalene. Mary, the mother of James, the younger, and of Joseph and Salome. They had been followers of Jesus and had cared for him while he was in Galilee. Many other women who had come with him to Jerusalem were also there. So there were a lot of people who cared for Jesus. See, some of these guys, they were financial sponsors for Jesus. You'll read about it in the book of Luke. They followed Jesus. They physically provided for Jesus. And at the same time, they were spiritually nourished by Jesus. It says they were followers of Jesus. You know, among the category of people that cared for Jesus, there, were, there was a clear distinction between the ones that cared for Jesus and the ones that were truly his family. See, at one point, Jesus' mother, his brother, sisters, family, all of them, they came and they were standing outside and they were saying, we want to meet Jesus. And then, you know, whoever was the messenger in the group, they came to Jesus, whispered in the ear saying, you know, Mary is waiting, James is waiting, your entire family is waiting outside. Jesus said, who is my mother? Who is my brothers? Who is my sisters? Look at these guys. They are in my spiritual circle. This is my real family. I, I, I mean, do you, does it mean that Jesus did not like his mother? Does it mean that Jesus didn't love his mother? No, no, no. I mean, I, even at the cross, Jesus was concerned about his mother and cared for his mother, loved his mother. And yet Jesus said, this is my real family. These are the ones that, I, that really care for me. You know, family is the one that, you know, care for each other, right? He said, just caring in the physical realm is not enough. We have to be connected in a spiritual DNA. He said, anybody that is in this circle that are sitting and listening, just because Mary, you, you can claim that, oh, you are a virgin, you have to you know, go through so much of shame and you, you went through all of this for me. You can claim all of that, but that doesn't qualify you to be my family. What qualifies you to be in the caring group is the ones that are under the same grace, that are receiving the same voice, that are in the same community of believers. 
this is the caring group. This group, they, they, if Jesus is being crucified, they want to be there. If Jesus is making Lazarus rise up from the dead, they want to be there. If Jesus is, you know, being transfigured, they want to climb up and be there. This is, this is the group that, that want to be everywhere that, that, where Jesus is teaching, preaching, ministering. Whatever Jesus is doing, they want to be present. They cared for Jesus. These were the lovers of Jesus, the friends of Jesus. Their response to Jesus was not based on what Jesus will give them. They were like, you know, even if he's dying, we are still there. In fact, after he died, after he was buried, they were the first ones to reach the grave. It was not John, it was not Peter. You know who went to the grave first? This group. It was this group that cared for Jesus' dead body. When the others said, okay, you know, all hope is lost. They said, it's okay. We, we still love him. He is not speaking to us, but we still love him. He's not doing any miracles, but we still love him. He's not, you know, doesn't look like everything that he said is right, but we still love him. Till we understand, we will still love him. In this process, in this period of waiting, we will still love him. These were 12 different responses to the goodness of God. Why am I saying this is the response to the goodness of God? Let me read this verse for you. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 10. Read it loudly, okay? One, two, three, go. But, come on, no, 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 Together, okay? One, two, three. I, with that Josh of Good Friday. Yeah? This is a Good Friday. This is not a sad Friday. This is a Good Friday. Amen? We, this is a, we, we're watching the match highlights. We already know who won. We already know the end of this story. Yeah, we are... We are, we are not sad this day happened. No, no, no. We already know the end. We already know what God's word says. Now, with that assurance, let's read scripture. It says, but it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet, when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants we declare when the goodness of the Lord is manifested in BRC he will have many descendants in this house the next line it says he will enjoy a long life and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands so the whole scripture that I read from Mark chapter 1 verse 15 verse 1 to 40 was the expression of God's goodness. It was not a sad day. It was a good day. Because the Bible says it was the Lord's good plan to crush Jesus. And when this good plan was being demonstrated, the first group of people, they stuck to their religiosity. They were religious. The second group, they were the seekers. The, the, the third group, they were the ones who were benefited. The fourth group, they were the ones who were just influenced by whoever was close to them. The fifth group, they were the entertained group. They, were, they, they, they didn't care about anything else. They just wanted some fun. 
The sixth group was the missionary group. They said, not only will I carry the cross, now I'm going to raise another generation to carry that cross, to, to go preach that cross, to preach Christ crucified. Then there was the routine group who just said, you know, Jesus will do his job, I'll just do my job. But then there was a suffering group. And in this suffering group, there was two categories. One category that said, you are responsible for my suffering. Another category that said, give me mercy, show me some mercy in the midst of my suffering. Then we see the cynical group. The cynical group were the ones that said, you know, if you're really the son of God, come down and then I will believe you. Then we had the group that misunderstood every goodness of God. They had their own revelation. They were, they, their eyes were not fixed at Jesus. Then we have the enlightened group. And last but not the least, then we have the caring and the loving group. Which group are you part of? How are you going to respond to this goodness of God? It was the Lord's good plan to crush him, the Bible says. It was the Lord's good plan. It was the Lord's good plan. It was the good thing in God's eyes for this to happen. How are we going to respond to the goodness of God? Are we going to love Him? Are we going to be missionaries? Become, you know, the one that will carry His cross and raise others, help others to carry that cross also? Are we going to be that group that is going to receive constant enlightenment from this Jesus? What category do we belong to?